Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Thank you, Lord. We make declaration here today that we're not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. For it is written, the just shall live by faith. We just make fresh declaration of the freedom of Jesus Christ. We honor you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just honor your name. I just have that. Uh, <laughs> I always hesitate to give a bit of a sing, but. Uh, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We honor you, Lord. We lift you high. We exalt you enthroned above everything in this place. Jesus Christ reigns. He's enthroned. We praise you, God. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. We praise you in this place. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Lift him high. We exalt you. Face of all the noise, all the junk, all the words. Only one word matters. In the beginning was the word. It's you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Honor you. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We honor the word of God. We honor what you've sown, Lord God. We take you at your word. Your word, your word. We just pray for our hearts that we are, that we are doers, not just hearers, but we do have to hear it. We do have to understand it. We ask for our ears and our hearts so that we would hear and do. I pray against deception and religion around you. I pray that we'd fear the right thing, Lord God. So we just open our hearts. We don't ask you to do what we're called to do, Lord. We will follow. Thank you for your word. We're going to continue into uh, Ephesians chapter 4 here today. And we're going to actually talk about gifts to the body. Now, you might be quite familiar. Jeb actually talked about gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's a list of gifts that talks about. There's also a list in Romans chapter 12 of the gifts, various gifts. And then there's, gonna, there's a bit of a list here in Ephesians chapter 4 of gifts. Now, the gifts are interesting because you're, on surface, you're like, is that like Christmas? There's a gift? Well, yes, it helps facilitate it in a sense, but it's just not for you. It's like opening up this gift of, somebody just gave me 100 grand. Yeah, you're supposed to now disperse that to everyone else. You're blessed by it, for sure, there's no doubt, but it's meant to do something. There's purpose in God's gifts. And I hope to, uh, hope to look at that today, at the, the function and purposes that God gives to the church. And we can often say, all I need is the Lord. And that's so true, all you need is the Lord. But Paul says more than that. 
True humility is to take the word as the word. You need the Lord Jesus Christ for sure, the, the utmost. That's the entry, the door, the life, everything is from that place in Christ. But we, the body, he's got a body here. And we have to honor the church, the local church, the, 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 his desire to knit us in. And that's what Paul's doing here in Ephesians 4, is he's talked about who we are and all of these different things. And you can bask in that. And that's a, oh, by the way, you all got to work together. You're like, oh, great. But he gives these gifts to help facilitate this work, this gift inspired of God, inspired of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting because the gifts in 12, 1 Corinthians 12 is the Holy Spirit, and the gifts, Romans, Romans 12 is, is like God or the Father's gifts. And here we're going to talk about Jesus' gifts. And last week we talked about him as he ascended, he, he took captivity captive. He took that which used to be a slave master as a slave. That which used to beat on people and intimidate people is now a cowering wimp in his train of victory. And as he ascended, he gave gifts to men. And so we just start here with the Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. He gave what's called, it's commonly called the five-fold ministry. If you ever hear that, this is what it's referring to. This the clicker's not, oh, there we go. This is sort of what, what he's given to the church. Now, you may recognize some of those, and some of them might be quite vague to you. So, because there's varying degrees of knowledge on this, I'm going to go through them, and I trust I'll go through them efficiently to give us a bit of an understanding in Paul's mindset when he's writing this letter. We have our own current mindset, etc., from experiences, but what is Paul's mindset? What is his thoughts? And I would like to investigate what the rules or what the Scripture reveals, if he does reveal, the, these various offices. The Apostle, Matthew 10. This is, a, this is the first time it sort of transitions here. It's an interesting thing. It says, Jesus summoned his 12. This is when he's going to send them out. Do you remember that? He gathered them. He says, he brings them in. He says, he summons them, his 12 disciples, and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every, every disease and every sickness. And then it goes, it's not on there. Sorry, I don't know where it's gone. But it's now the names of the 12 apostles are these. So, sorry, forgive me. I got so many scriptures down here. The name of the 12 apostles. So we, they went from disciples to apostles because of the authority they'd been given and the mandate they'd been given. Because apostle actually means a messenger or a sent one. One who's been sent forth with orders to accomplish. And so we see that before God had sent them out or Jesus had sent them out, they were disciples. They were learning from him. They spent time with him. But there was a time when those disciples became apostles. And they were sent out. And we see this. They break ground. They, they do something that's really interesting. They walk in authority and power. They break things open. Remember when Paul came into Ephesus in Acts 19. And he turned the whole city upside down. Because an apostle with the orders from heaven came to establish something. So it's not even like you would say... A missionary, in a, unless the missionary is going and establishing something, a church. Establishing the kingdom. 
Even Paul, when he went through Lystra and, and into Asia Minor in his missionary journey, he goes back through. He, he broods almost over these churches that he has planted and he is responsible for. This is the role that we see. And we see wherever they went, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. There's no getting around it in the New Testament that those with this office of apostles, you could see they were apostles. They were doing something. There were the signs and wonders that seemed to follow them. And it's a necessary signs and wonders because it is about authority. When they go into these areas, even Jesus said, the reason you know the kingdom of God has come to the, against the dominion of darkness is I cast out demons. There's this driving out darkness with the apostles. The prophets. I like, this, I like scriptures that work together with the fivefold, the team, because often you see ministries where this guy's a prophet, this guy's an apostle, or it's so-called, what have you. But in the Bible, you see them working together. It's a very critical component to the fivefold. It's a teamwork. And you see it throughout. And I'm going to try and give you scriptures to help support that. So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens of the saints and are God's household, have been built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building is being fit, fitted together, is growing into the temple of the Lord. These are gifts that are critical to the maturing, you see. And the foundational aspects was the apostle, the prophet. This is what God has given. Another example here, this is uh, Antioch. Now, there were prophets and teachers in Antioch. You see, the teacher and the prophets, it just highlights them working together to help minister and build the church. And we're going to get into the specifics, at least what Paul says here in Ephesians, but I just want to sort of highlight these various offices. Evangelist. This one's a little bit harder to find scripture on, to be honest. Philip is an evangelist, um, but this is an example of Philip. After persecution, persecution comes to the church in Jerusalem. They're spread out. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and began preaching the Christ to them. The crowds were paying attention with one mind that was being said by, with, with one mind to what was being said by Philip. As they heard and saw the signs which he was performing for the, in the case of many who had unclean spirits, spirits, they were coming out of them shouting in a loud voice. And many who had been paralyzed or limped on crutches were healed. There was much rejoicing in the city. So we see this very similar, it seems, gifting to that of the apostle, but there's not an establishing. They preach the gospel, and you'll see Philip is actually picked up in the spirit, and he goes and preaches to the Ethiopian eunuch. They call down the apostles. He calls down, he works with team, he calls down the apostolic team, the fivefold working together, and they help establish what he has started. Pastors. This is probably the most familiar to us, I think. It's interesting, pastors, because in the noun form, Parmean, you can only find the noun form relating to as the church as a man or a pastor, as you call me here, Pastor Nick, once, and that's in Ephesians 4. Most of the noun is used to talk about Jesus himself. I am the good shepherd. 
I'm a good, good shepherd, sacrifice his life for a sheep. Or you'll hear literally about shepherds. Where you see more of it related to us as, as, as people is in the verb form. Is, is more in the doing rather than in the nouning. So it's more than, me, than somebody going, I'm a shepherd. I am shepherding. There's a, there's a verb. And I think there's something to that that is significant in this. This is where Paul says to elders who, who this is why we don't call ourselves in this church pastors because we do pastor, but it's actually more than that. It's oversight, etc. And he, this is where Peter gets into it. And he says, therefore, I urge, you, I urge elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and one who is also a fellow partakers of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd, poimen. This is, this is the oversight, the, 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 the working with, the caring for. All that you would think of as such a beautiful picture of a physical shepherd with sheep. Guarding the sheep, taking care of them, making sure they're fed, leading them into green pasture, um, warding off lions and bears and cougars and various things, protecting them, even protecting them from themselves. I saw a sheep on a, I don't know why it came up on my YouTube feed, that was, literally couldn't get off its back. And the dog was, the, the sheep dog was barking at it to get, it didn't know what to do. It, my dad used to go on about how stupid sheep are, and I thought, man, you're really insulting the people, but they're not very bright. And they do need loving, caring shepherds to lead them. Maybe it was still offensive, I don't know. Probably. Teachers, another familiar one to probably most of us here, the teachers, and almost self-evident. But we cannot take teachers lightly in this day and age as well. I solemnly exhort you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and exhort with great patience and instruction. For the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. Everyone said, Amen. Hoochie goo. Ooh, you just, you just you just see it in the spiritual realm. Who here wants to be corrected? Who here wants to be rebuked? We just want to get on to exhortation. Can somebody just exhort me? When you know a loving father, loving mother, we love our children. That's why we correct them. That's why we go, that's not good. That's why we, we make these, we challenge them. We rebuke them, but of course we exhort. But it's all under the guise of love. It's always about love. So we start to get into what the role is. Why did God give the fivefold ministry to the church? for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. The local church is, your, is, is critical to your calling. You start to see God, plan A is still the local church. No matter how messed up your experiences have been with it, it's still plan A. God has not given up on it. 
And yes, there is a global church. I get all of that. But he has not given up on the local church. Now, are there any saints in here? Because it's for your equipping. It's for your ministry. You say, well, Nick, I thought the fivefold, they were the ministers. What are you, flipping the script here? They come to equip the saints for ministry. Huh. Now, I think that is, a very, that is a dramatic difference that we see in the Scriptures from the reality we see in the first world church. How many of you guys feel like ministers? Any ministers in the room? Well, I'm a minister, you know, Nick, Pastor Nick here. There to equip us to work. I love the work there. It means employ you, employment. What do you do for a living? Well, I'm a doctor. Well, you're actually a minister if you are a Christian. What else? For the building up of the body of Christ. Edification. Now, often we see this reversed and we go, we, we tend to build up the fivefold ministry and we tend to esteem them and we tend to take positions that we shouldn't take when they are there to serve the body, to build up the body. And again, I can't help but go back to referencing my wife and I with our kids. We lead the home, but we do a lot to build into our children. We, 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 we give ourselves. It's not lording it over them. We don't walk in as, oh, don't talk to the, don't talk to the apostle. He doesn't, oh, no. The separation. And I'm wary of anyone that comes in and goes, Apostle Nick here. We do like our titles, you know. Oh, I am, I am evangelist Nick. Well, even, to be honest, that's why I don't get called pastor. It's more of a verb to me than a noun. I'm not reneging on the calling, but it can get problematic, particularly in the first world, because it can also separate us when going, we're both in the same foxhole. We've both been called, all of us, to take the land we're in. And it's the same with a captain on a football team or a soccer team. They, we all play. It's only at certain times you, the captain has to step forward. But it doesn't mean he scores the goals. It doesn't mean he's the best preacher. It doesn't mean he's got all the prophetic insights. It doesn't mean he's healing the sick. They're there to equip us for this. You, in your calling, and why you're here. Until we attain the unity of the faith. Now, this unity, of, this unity is only actually mentioned twice, and it's in this passage, this chapter 4, in the Greek, unity. And the first one was unity of the Spirit, was mentioned before unity of the faith. Now, faith here means it's a conviction of truth of anything. It's a conviction of, of, of our, in respect to our relationship with God and divine things. That we come into proper understanding. That we, under, we, we, the, we the Bible's pretty thick. Huh? There's a lot of information in there about God. And it's in there for a reason so that we get to know and understand things. Naturally, we need spiritual discernment. But knowledge in itself here is talking about that. It's talking about precise and connect. It's going to get into the knowledge Precise knowledge. And I found this interesting, the unity of the faith, because I've met people who I have different theology on, and yet they love the Lord, and there's this interesting unity of the Spirit. Whereas, well, my brothers, I come from a fairly 
conservative background, Baptist, Presbyterian. You know, so when I went into the charismatic realms, they were like, whoa, dude. But now as we're older and wiser and more gracious towards one another, we have this amazing unity in the Spirit. And that there's aspects of unity of faith. Of course, we both believe who Jesus is, etc. But Paul is talking about unity of the Spirit and then unity of the faith. This is the role of the fivefold. This is what it's meant to do and feed into the church. It's interesting with the, the next one ties right into, and I put this in because until we attain to the knowledge of the Son of God, the knowledge here is so important. Romans 10 says this, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. So you can have great zeal, and I just love it, but, but there's meant knowledge must come. Knowledge must accompany it. Understanding. Oh, Nick, you can't. No, yes, you can. It's in the book. You, there's lots you can understand through, obviously, the revelation of the Holy Spirit, but there's much we can put in ourselves. To a mature man. I often say this to myself, and I, it seems that the one thing God is most concerned about in your life is bringing you to maturity. Even Paul, he sends letters into the persecuted church. He does address it slightly, the persecution, but moves on very quickly to their character, to how they're living, to maturity. And we know diapers are cute on a baby, but not on a grown man. There's this desire to grow you up. There's a desire to mature you. And I hate to say it, it's often refined in fire. Faith is definitely refined in fire. But maturity just grows because you go through stuff and you walk through it. And you trust God. And in trusting Him, you mature. It means you're wanting nothing. Just mature. Wanting nothing. Beyond the flesh. Not just, you're now understanding walking in the Spirit. When you're younger in the Lord, you still this flesh, so you didn't understand it. You didn't have the knowledge. You didn't understand Romans. You didn't, you're just newly saved and God begins to put the word in you as, you as you study the word. And then you begin to mature. Ah, how I'm feeling today, I'm, not, I'm going to ignore. I don't walk by my feelings. I don't care if I'm annoyed with my wife. I, am not, I don't accept it. You know, when the people say they kick the dog, I don't know about that stuff, but at least when I was young, get up, you kick the dog. I'm like, who's kicking dogs here? But you don't, you don't accept what you feel. You accept what you know to be true. But that's what happens as you mature. You see, your children, they're constantly up and down emotionally by how they feel. Not all of them. You're right. Um, and you see that. Whereas now we learn to walk in the Spirit. We learn what it means to walk godly. We learn what it means to walk with the Lord, to walk through things. We see the role here, the fullness, the measure, which means a measuring cup, the stature. It's like, your height, your, your build, that belongs to the fullness of Christ. In the, in the Greek, it means in the, the body of believers as that which is filled with the presence, power, agency, riches of God and Christ. It's amazing. This is the role of the fivefold ministry in the local church. This is the blueprint. Do we see that fully? Of course, these are always the challenges, right? Now, you can see the importance of the role. 
And because of this importance to these rules, I, I would be remiss not to highlight a few things that Paul warns about, especially with social media and access to anything across the world right now at your fingertips. It behooves me as a leader in this church to go, okay, guys, be aware, be discerning, be courageous, don't throw it out. But there is, there is warnings from Jesus in this that we will get into here. Beware of false prophets who come in to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Matthew 24, and many false prophets will arise and mislead many people. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and provide with great signs and wonders. And so to mislead, if possible, the elect Christians. You need to be discerning. You need to be wise. Even Jesus said, be as wise as serpents, as innocent as doves. Corinthians, this is Paul. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Sobering. I have been on frequent journeys, in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers from the cities, a lot of dangers, dangers in the cities, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers with false brothers. The devil is a counterfeiter. One more here. This is Peter. But false prophets also appeared among the people, just as they were all be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destructions upon them, destruction upon themselves. Many follow their indecent behavior, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blind. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And I would have to say this is very evident, particularly in the first world North American church. You have to be discerning. Now, here's what you may want to do is you run for the hills and shut it all down. You shut down the authentic. You shut down the counterfeit. Because if you can shut down the, to shut down, like the easiest way to shut down the counterfeit is shut down everything. Right? And that was my reaction to, to the gifts of the Spirit. I grew up in the Baptist church, and we didn't believe in any of this stuff. We shut it down. Why? Because of what we, we assumed was counterfeit. Now, was it? I don't know. I don't trust the guy myself back then. So he was a pretty judgmental guy, if you know what I mean. But I just refused it. The biggest reason I had to refuse it was because of all of the counterfeit I thought I saw. That's not how we live. And I remember the Lord saying to me, Nick, even if every tongue on the planet is counterfeit, it does not nullify the gift of tongues. It's because your experience with people were weird and they got you to babble and they got you to repeat. Now you've rejected it. You, can't, you have to own this. You have to own it for yourself to understand. This is the, the, the blueprint God has in his local church. This is what we're endeavoring. This is why it's such an important preach. We're endeavoring to live in this church, the apostolic, NCMI. We relate to an apostolic team. We need input from the apostolic. 
If you look at Paul, the apostolic is important because you start, you start to get weirder off. You see the apostolic gives correction. In fact, all of Paul's epistles are giving correction, understanding to many things to these local churches so they don't get off in weird things. So you're not overweighting one thing like the prophetic. We're just a prophetic church. Well, aren't we all supposed to be prophetic? You don't get to pick and choose the flavor. I don't like the teaching as much. I don't really like when you just teach. I prefer when we're just praising and, dude, you need them both. Don't, this is not a spiritual cafeteria where you go, you know, what do, I, what do I feel like today? This is the kingdom of God. This is the, the blueprint of God that has been given to the church. You go, I don't like that gift. Well, apostles and prophets are pastors, teachers, evangelists. This is my final slide. So we see them feeding into the church, whether they're here locally or they're translocal coming in, feeding in, so that you and I, the church, can know God better, our relationship with God naturally, our family responsibilities. He speaks a lot on family structure, relationships between husband and wife, We see friends, work, loss. Your calling here is critical to be entwined with the local church. Because I put up there Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. It's an incredibly important thing to understand that when you came to Jesus, you entered into a kingdom. And Jesus is not going, okay, what can I get you? What did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, I'm just going to now anoint all of your desires to be all of that. The American dream, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, let's just add the gospel to it. Amen. That's that's not what it is. All of those things are laid down. That's why it's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because you've got to give it all up. You lay it all down. You say, I don't want to do that. Well, that's why we're where we're at. So he's going, okay, what are the good works, Lord? Okay, let's walk in them. It may be exactly what you're doing. It's as spiritual for you to be an accountant in the will of God than me to go as a missionary to wherever. You say, oh, the mission? No, it's the kingdom of God. He sends one here, sends another here, calls one to business here, calls another to seminary here. It's the kingdom. It's what God does. You say, yes, sir. And then, like we've said before, why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? No matter what you feel the counterfeits or the excesses, and maybe you don't really care. I may be speaking to people that think like me and say, whoa, it's kind of crazy out there. We've got to push in to the people we do know in this room. If this is your church, if you are committed to relationship with people in the church, we see how each other lives. We see how each other talks. I give far more credibility to what goes on in this, with the people in this church than I do to anyone else. I don't know how that guy lives over there, what, he's, what, what, what he or she is doing. I'm not to say we don't invalidate, I don't, but I give higher priority to what is spoken in this church by the people that God has brought together in, as a ministry sense. We need outside input, but we need to know what we're allowing in, particularly as elders in this church. Just like you wouldn't let anyone babysit your kids. You don't let just anyone come in and release something. We need to know who they are and what, how they live. 
character. We want to press in. We, I just, I, I just, this year is such a year of we desire to see breakthrough. And, and we can have a great session of worship and prayer and breakthrough. We're doing freedom, uh, freedom sessions on Friday night. But it's also just about most of life is plotting. Most of life is just getting up and going to work. How you doing? How you doing? Living life. Work, work. That is the majority of your life. And that is 100% kingdom for walking in the spirit in the will of God. Enjoy it at times, if I can say the mundane, the plotting. Because that is a lot of what life is, is faithfulness to Christ, seeing breakthroughs, yes, but continuing to plot, allowing him to refine and sanctify us as we walk through life, going from glory to glory, being brought into maturity and the full stature of what it means to be in Christ. So that when people see our lives, they go, wow, Jesus is alive. When they come to a church, it's not just an organization. It's not just a group or a club. It's an organism. It's alive. And the Spirit is in the midst of us, bringing us together, that we might walk out this calling. Yes, we need Jesus. We need Him central in our lives. But dare I say, we need each other. We need each other. We need to honor one another. That's why it says, pursue love and eagerly desire the greater gifts. But often we can flip around and we pursue greater gifts. And we kind of desire love. But you must pursue love. We must pursue these things to see out of that comes the life of the Spirit. Because of the nature of gifts, you want it in an atmosphere of love. When you go, Lord, use me to bless people, however you would do it. Amen? Can we rise? Can we just end in prayer here? Thank you, Lord. We just honor your name. Praise your name. Praise you, Lord. We honor you. We give great praise to you. Lord, we desire to just be obedient people. We desire for your name to be glorified in our schools, in our workplaces, in Vancouver. We desire your name to be famous afresh. We desire for your name to be glorified in our communities. We desire for people to see our good works and give you glory. Give glory to you. We yield ourselves, Lord, that you would use us. We yield ourselves that you would knit us together. We cloak ourselves in humility. We say, Lord, have your way. Knit this body together. Let unity of spirit and unity of faith be in this church. Give us great discernment. Give us a hunger for your word and a desire for the spirit, the gifts. That we would be people that could walk in balance and not choose one thing over another. That we could let the past go and quit letting it define us, the negative stuff, defining us and robbing us of the present and future. Have your way in this church, Lord. Guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.